You're listening to the MyMac.com podcast with your host, Tim Robertson. This is the 250th episode of the weekly MyMac.com podcast. I'm Tim Robertson. I'm David Cohen. And I'm Guy Searle. This week, Apple captures 91% market share. And we downloaded some feedback. Thanks for downloading the podcast. Enjoy. We're still on. It's still recording. The music hasn't started yet. What happened? I don't know. We're too fast. And I am Tim Robertson, and this is the 250th episode of our weekly podcast. That's a lot of podcasting, Guy Searle. Yes, yes, it is. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to 250 more unless you kick me out. Oh, I might kick myself out before 250 more. <laughs> or it might be a revolt. You guys will kick me out. <laughs> the peasants it, are revolting. Does it seem like we've done that many, David? 250? Uh, it doesn't. I was just thinking, if you actually add all the time we spent in front of the microphone recording, it's probably quite a lot more than that. Oh in yeah, in terms of hours. Yeah, I mean, it's probably about three hundred fifty, four hundred hours. I mean, it, it flies by because you know you're having fun, you're talking about things you're interested in, you're engaging with an audience who are interested in what you're listening to. It's it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. That's for sure. So uh, you know, we're not really going to do anything special per se for this episode. We're not going to do any special contests. We're not going to do a retrospective of look back on what we've done in the past. We are going to get into some feedback, and the feedback that we're going to get into is stuff that I uh, grabbed from our iTunes page. And we're going to do this more in the future, but it really depends on you guys listening. We need you guys to go up to iTunes, rate the show, and write something up there, good, bad, or indifferent, I don't care, and uh, post it up in iTunes. We'd really appreciate that. And that's what we're going to look at this week. And... Everything that I grabbed is positive, but all I did was take, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six pieces of feedback. There was a couple that I didn't include because they were my Mac staffers, so I thought that would be kind of unfair to use those. <laughs> um, so I, I took the six most recent, and uh, fortunately, they're all really positive things to say, but I wanted to share that so, you, you know, Guy and David gets to hear it, and uh, the rest of the my Mac staff that listen to the podcast, they get to hear it. And I think it's uh, important to share what people are saying on the show. I would agree. So we, we do have a lot of things we want to talk about. Number one, Apple released Final Cut Studio today. Number, what is it, version 7? Yeah. yeah. Wow, it's up to version 7 already. This is a major upgrade and update to the application, to the suite. And I thought it was kind of weird that Apple would release this with little to no fanfare guy. Yeah, um, there was you know no rumors that I know of that was even talking about it. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the staffers had had noted in a blog that that Apple Store is down. Apple Store is down. And it's like, well, it back up, and I don't see anything. Yeah, it took then, a while. Yeah, and then you pointed. I think it was you that pointed out that uh, Final Cut had been you know the newest version of Final Cut had been released. In fact, in fact, over on Twitter, people were saying, "Oh, the Apple Store is down," and and I think. Um, I think to Victor Kaya suggested that it was going to be Final Cut Studio, and people were going, no, they're not going to do anything like that. There would be an announcement, or they'd be at a trade show if they were doing that. And lo and behold, that's exactly what it was. It looks interesting. Um, nine ninety nine full version, three hundred dollars um, off from what it was before. Yes. Now they have another version as well, don't they? Uh, was it Final Cut Server? Uh, yes, but I don't have any information on that, so let's not talk about it. <laughs> okay. If you got an old version, it's only two ninety nine to update, so that's, that's upgrade, upgrade price two ninety nine. That's pretty good. That is good. Uh, Logic Pro nine was also released. Another application that I've never personally used, one that I've always wanted to, but um, I, I just don't see where it would really fit in with what I'm doing. So I didn't see a point in getting it. Uh oh, we lost. Uh, oh, David's gone. We, we lost David. Dave, and you know the back. thing was, it was getting a little staticky on his end. Yeah, I did hear that. Yeah, and he completely dropped off of Skype. So, well, no, he's still there. We'll we'll bring him back in. Nothing like recording live and having mistakes. <laughs> having, and oh, Skype is our friend. Skype is our friend. You still there, David? Uh, I've just made a uh, sacrificial offering to the Skype gods, and hopefully my connection will stay up. We'll see. We'll see. Um, 
One of the things that we uh, are doing next week's show, number 251, is another reader invite. You want to explain what that is, Guy? Yeah, the reader invite is where we uh, listener, pull in- listener invite. Jeez. Oh, oh okay. Listenerinvite.com, the podcast. podcast. I start getting confused sometimes in my mind. <laughs> my pea-sized this- brain can't process, you know, different forms of communication, I suppose. It, it's all those years of living in Michigan. That's what it is. Right. I had the same problem when I was in Florida. Uh, the, the listener invite is, is basically where you know, we bring in a listener, not as an interview, not as, you know, as more, like, more like a special guest, where you're going to join us on the podcast. We're, you're going to talk with us about whatever it is that we're talking about, you know, no agenda. Yep, absolutely right. And uh, so next week we're going to have Matt Larson on the show. And we have an opening that we didn't have before. We had someone pull out, and that was for our August 6th release. So if you are a listener and you want to be on the show, and you've heard me like last show and the show before that saying that we're already booking in November, I've got one open space in, in August. So if you want to be on... Send us email, feedback at MyMac.com, and we can get you in August 6th. So let me know real quick. Let's see. I'm going through the, the schedule right now, guys. And, yeah, the, the the one after that, the next opening is November 26th. <laughs> wow. I, you know what? I love it, though. I, I love setting these up, looking forward to talking to a variety of people. Uh, other Mac users just like us. And it really sucks when you're in an area and there's no other Mac users. You don't have anybody to talk to. We all know that uh, the the user groups are almost dead. And most yeah. people don't even have a user group in their area. And, or if they do, it's the same four people that's been showing up for the past 25 years. You know, you, you want to be able to talk about your passions with someone. And, hey, this is a great opportunity to do so because, guess what, we have those same passions. And heaven forbid, guys, we learn something new. Oh, well, no. abs- absolutely. I, th- I think one of the things when you do something like this is, um, obviously, you know, we we know each other fairly well, and we know what what each other's perspectives often are on on things that are going on in in the community in the world. But it's always good to bring somebody else in who might be one of those people who every week is screaming at us on at, at their iPod, <laughs> saying, "No, you dummies, you don't know what you're talking about." Well, now they have an opportunity to uh, tell us in person, and we don't know uh, what we're talking about. Uh, and we can, you know, we can debate debate different viewpoints, and I think that's very good as well. One of the big Apple news stories this week, obviously, is Apple released their quarterly results. No surprise, Apple made a killing. Well, is it no surprise? I think, you know, in today's market, the whole PC industry has been shrinking for a couple of years now. Um, I think, I think every time Apple does this, it is a surprise. Everyone is waiting for them to show signs of being truly impacted by the recession and the slowdown in in people's available income particularly as they're you know selling premium price products and every quarter they can cont- consistently beat everything they've ever done before but I mean, I, I, the question is at the moment are they recession proof or not uh i would say no they're not recession proof i would say that it's it's a combination of things number one they have a, a very hot product in the iphone ipod touch and the market is really growing for handheld computer games and applications. And Apple is just in a perfect position to capture a lot of that market right now. Well, one other thing to remember is that Apple, Apple typically lowballs their expectations as well. So, you know, they release their, their quarterly numbers and then they'll sit there and say, oh, well, yeah, we're not expecting to do all that well the next quarter. And then, you know, they beat those expectations and everyone thinks they're brilliant. Well, not everyone, because I know for a fact that a lot of people on Wall Street don't like it when they beat their expectations, that the stock actually suffers sometimes because of that. But I'm not a, I don't play the market, so I don't want to get into that aspect of it. But everyone still likes to listen to music. And at this point in time, it's the iPod. If you're listening to music, you're probably listening to it on an iPod. Whether that iPod is built into the iPhone, the iPod Touch, or a physical iPod. That's how people are listening to their music nowadays. And Apple is still the king of the MP3 player, if you will. Uh, nothing is touching the iPod. But but it's um, th- for me, the results weren't just all about the iPod or even the iPhone. I mean, while that was obviously a very important component, 
The fact is, they're selling more Macs than they ever have before. Yep, and I um, think that, that in, in a non-holiday is, quarter, right? And I think the exactly. reason for that is, is when you looked at half the sales in the Apple Store, uh, the physical presence Apple stores, half of those sales are new users, and much of that can be directly attributed to the halo effect that the iPhone and the iPod is having. People are buying an Apple product, a handheld. They're really enjoying it. It's time to get a new computer. Hey, why don't we go look at the Macs? We like this iPhone so much. Maybe the Mac is really cool like this. Well, one other thing that helps them in that regard is that um, with being able to run Windows as well on almost every single Mac that's sold, there's that comfort factor of, well, if OS X isn't quite what I was looking for, I can still go back to what I'm used to. I think as well, though, I mean, the, the laptop line is, is pretty much the strongest they've ever had at the moment. I, while I think the halo effect has been important for a long time, I actually think that the Apple computers are pulling people directly into the stores nowadays as well. An awful lot of people are uh, aspirationally looking at an Apple laptop rather than um, rather than buying a Windows machine. And I don't think it's necessarily the fact they've already got an iPod that's driving them straight to that. I think people are recognizing the values of those machines just as they stand on their own. I think you're right. And speaking of Apple laptops, David, you mentioned that you got a 13-inch MacBook Pro. You've spent yeah. some time with it now. Uh, what's your impressions on the new machine? I, I'm really, really happy with it. I think it is probably the best Apple laptop I've ever had, and uh, I've had a few now. Um, you know, I have, I've had the white MacBook, I've had a, a 15-inch MacBook Pro, a 17-inch MacBook Pro, which I, I sold to uh, to get this machine. And, and this seriously is the, you know, for me, the best the best mix of, of value and, and features that I've ever had in an Apple laptop. The unibody construction on the on the uh, on these machines really is amazing. I mean, they are so solid. And, um, you know, I've used a lot of what I would consider to be fairly solid laptops over the years. In my, you know, in my business life, I get to use a lot of Windows laptops. And the current sort of Dell Latitudes that my, my company are handing out are pretty good. You know, they've got aluminium um Aluminium chassis, but they're not completely aluminium like these Apple ones are. But they are—they're pretty solid. But this is a completely different league. It, 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 you know, it is quite literally carved from a piece of metal, and you can really feel it. Um, In terms of features, it's got everything you would want on it. Um, You know, you've got the FireEye port now that's been reinstated. The screen is amazing; it's incredibly bright. Um, And uh, you know, for a 13-inch machine, it's just a very nice balance of size and weight. It only weighs about four pounds, so it's wow, really, it's really portable. Yeah. Uh, go on, Guy. Oh, I was going to say, have you had a chance to uh, check battery life? I have. Um, and, in fact, the first time I used this machine was to do the podcast about um, two, three weeks ago. And I actually had been working on it earlier on in the, in the day. Fired out for the podcast. We recorded uh, the whole podcast uh, segment. Um, so, you know, I'd done about three, four hours' work that day, all on battery. Didn't even realize while we were recording on podcast that um, I hadn't actually plugged the power, power adapter in. And so after four hours, the battery was only half exhausted. So, Amazing. Um, you know, it, it really is good. Now, now, there's been a lot of press over the years about Apple and these built-in batteries. My attitude to this is that if you can get this sort of epic battery life I, I've never had a, a computer of any any make that's last this long on a battery um, and if, if that the price you pay is for it not to be as convenient to change it over when it comes to the end of its life I'm prepared to put up with that for a, for a 7 hour battery um, and when it comes to changing over I've had the bottom of this machine off to change the RAM um, and it, it's, it's not really very hard if you've ever put batteries in a child's toy it's about as hard as doing that you have to undo some screws and just take the bottom off the computer and then everything including the battery compartment is completely accessible so it's not it's not like you're, you're paying a lot of compromise for the battery life and for the uh, unibody design. I don't know. So I've seen that- some instructions for some Christmas toys that I've had to put together. <laughs> I, think, I think doing yeah. a computer is easier, to be honest. Well, absolutely. I mean, but, but the thing is, uh, I mean, when, when we were growing up, uh, just to diverge for a minute, you know, to, to change the batteries in a, in a toy, you just open the door and put the batteries in. Now you seem, seem to need a screwdriver every time you need to do that. Yep. Uh, and it, uh, it is kind of weird. But, yeah, it's, it's not difficult, even, and I'm not remotely worried about the fact that when this battery does expire and needs to be changed, I'm going to be able to do that without a problem at all. One no, thing I think is, is also worth mentioning is the uh, we have the SD slot uh, card slot in these machines now, and you can actually boot it off that. 
So uh, I built a, a, a four gig um, a four gig SD card with a, a cut down install of OS ten on there, and I can actually boot the machine off that, which is a, a kind of a nice emergency thing to have if I have a disk problem is uh, to be able to carry that around with me. Do you put any other third party software installs on there, like Disk Warrior or Disk? Yeah, I've got I've got a copy of Drive Genius on there. Yep, that's so, uh, really good. You know, and, then, and you know, if if you ever want to defrag your hard drive, it'd be a lot easier to to boot up from that than a physical CD. And plus, with a physical CD, if you boot up from it, at least with that application, it makes you put in the serial number each time. Whereas if you exactly. install it on an SD card, you don't have to remember what the darn serial fifteen digit serial number is. Exactly. So what's, yeah. what's the speed difference between the SD card slot and the regular hard drive? Um, well, it, it's it's kind of hard to tell because SD is very quick to read but very slow to write, um, and and I would imagine as well it's quite dependent on the quality of the SD card you're actually using. The one I've got is is rated as a class four, so. Um, that's kind of in the middle of the range in terms of performance. Um, but certainly for what I was doing on it, which was just kind of booting it up and being able to run Drive Genius, it was absolutely fine. It didn't seem to be massively faster than using the hard drive, but that would reflect what I've seen in um, in other SSD implementations. I think to really get these, these sort of wicked fast SSD boot-up times, you you need to have a really good quality flash drive in there, and um, I think a lot of the stuff you buy isn't really that great quality at the moment, unless you spend a lot of money. So I'm sure if I got you know the the SanDisk Ultra 3 card or something like that, it would it would be a lot better. But for just you know occasional use for booting up for uh, emergency purposes, just an ordinary card is fine. And it's still going to be faster than booting up a CD, that's for sure. You still there? Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, <laughs> you guys are too polite yeah. to each other. Oh, you started. No, go ahead. Yeah, oh, after that, you, sir. I, I think yes. Yeah, so I think it, I think it would probably be be still slightly faster on the hard drive because you're not going to get the defrag, you, uh, the fragmentation you get in the hard drive. Well, let me well, take could, you. You could you could also get like a, a 16 gig one and, and not only have the OS on there but all of your apps as well, saving all of that room for uh, for your hard yes. drive for, for your the, documents and everything else. The only problem with that is that the card still slightly slicks out the slot when you're using it. So um, if it mm. kind of disappeared in right right to the edge of the machine, um, then then that that will probably be worthwhile. But because it, it sticks out just a couple of millimeters, I'd be a bit yeah. worried about about banging it on a, on the bag or something when I'm putting the putting the machine away. So yeah, a- accidentally popping out your operating system while you're trying <laughs> to do something else. No, that shouldn't cause any problems. Speaking of uh, updating your your Mac and cracking them open, this is a good point for us to take a quick break and mention our sponsor, MacSales.com. Now, you guys remember back in, well, I know you will, Guy, all the problems I had with my first-generation 15-inch MacBook Pro. It's oh, yeah. a, um, what is that? It's a Wasn't Core it a 2. Core, core 2, 2 gigahertz? 2 gigahertz, was it, exactly. Was it, was it a Core Duo? Or a no, core, core Duo. Core, core Duo. duo. Yeah. And it had, boy, I, I want to say maybe a 200-gig drive in there, something like that. But I always kept it really lean and, and slim, and I didn't install a lot of apps on there. And really the only thing that, that I use that computer for, other than when I go to Macworld and places like that, is in my kitchen, and it's just browsing the net and doing stuff like that, writing some. So I don't need, you know, big, huge applications. I don't need uh, Photoshop on it, and, you know, I I, it, I really don't need much of anything. I just want it to be quick, but I still want the big screen, which is one of the reasons that I don't want a 13-inch, David. But that hard yeah. drive that came with that machine has been going bad for over two years now. And it really came to a head during the Macworld Expo where the machine oh, yeah. just completely crashed. Uh, we got it back up and running, but it's been limping along. And when I got home, I literally had to erase the whole thing and start over. And you can listen to a, a, a podcast that we recorded, I don't know, probably back in February or March with Owen Rubin. And we went through the whole ordeal. So it was time for me to replace the hard drive. So I went and I got the original hard drive. Like I said, I think it was 160 gigs. That's what it was. It was a 160 gig, 5,400 RPM drive. The machine never really seemed slow to me, but, you know, that with the hard drive going bad, it was time to update. So instead of going with, like, a huge 500 gig hard drive for this thing, which I really don't need the space, I decided to go with a smaller drive, 120 gigs, but I wanted a faster drive, so I went with the 7200 RPM. 
Now, I've never cracked one of these particular laptops open. Now, I've, I've opened a lot of um, power books over the years, but I've never opened a MacBook Pro. So I got the hard drive, 7200 RPM, 120 gig. I went up to MacSales.com and downloaded their video that they had on how to open and replace the hard drive in this. They just uh, they offer this to anybody. Yeah. So I watched the video. I liked it. But I wanted to make sure that I had that video handy just in case I had a question. So I actually put that video. I had to convert it, but no biggie. But I put that on my iPhone. I had the iPhone sitting next to me in my little workspace. And I replaced the hard drive. And it, it took me no time at all. And it was great. It was very easy. The video was just fantastic to have right there. Reinstalled the OS. And I have to tell you. It's like a new machine, guys. The 7200 RPM drive really makes a difference in a laptop. Wow. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure I could have done it without the video from MacSales.com, but I'm glad I didn't have to because they offer that for free. So if anyone's out there ever thinking about upgrading your Mac and you're like, oh, I don't know, it's a lot of screws, and especially in a laptop, it can be a little intimidating, go up to OWC's website, MacSales.com, and see if they have a video. If they do... You can watch a video and watch how they do it, and you can actually watch the video right along as you're doing it. You know, you're going to have to pause because you're not going to be as quick as they are. <laughs> but, but you can do it. And here's the best thing, guys. The drive cost me less than 80 bucks. Wow. Right. And it, it's it's like a whole who, new machine. Who made the drive? Uh, I believe it's a Seagate. It's either a Seagate or a Hitachi. I forget which one now. Um, cool. But, you know, yes, it's only 120 gigs, and I just went up to MacSales.com. They don't even have that one now. For 7,200 RPM, the smallest that they have that I'm seeing is a 250, no, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, it's a 250 gig hard drive. Cool. And, that's, and that was, was that, that uh, SATA or was that? that yeah, it's, it's, it's a SATA drive. Okay. Now, now, for this particular machine, I should have waited a week, and I could have got a 200 50 gig Hitachi for sixty four ninety nine with eight megabytes of cache. The one I've got has sixteen megabytes of cache, so it's even a little bit faster than that. But I gotta tell you, I'm really, really impressed with the computer now that I've upgraded the hard drive. I got some people on Twitter asking me questions. Does it really seem faster? Is is it worth going with a faster drive? And I my answer is yes. Yeah. yes. If you can yeah. go with a faster drive, everything on the machine is faster. Now it's, just two two disclaimers on that. I think we should say, first of all, Lizzie, if you have a machine like this, um, that generation of machine or the, or the ones that came afterwards that where you did have to take the machine apart to change the drive, don't do it if it's still in warranty, if it's covered by Apple Care, um, because obviously you run the risk of invalidating your warranty if you yep. break oh, something. You will. You will. So, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, so if, the machine, if the machine's out of warranty, then, you know, kind of you can Go you take your own. <laughs> yeah, go nuts, but take your own view on how comfortable you feel about that. You can always you can always take these machines in with, with a drive you've supplied to Apple, and for a fee, they'll change the drive for you. Yep. So if you're not comfortable, then, then that's one, one thing. The other thing is that if you're looking at a big drive, then um, you may find that you get a similar performance increase without going to 7200, because if you put, say, a 500 gig drive into there, um, because of that increased data density, obviously it has the same number of platters as a smaller drive. Um, because the data density goes up, the, the actual drive performance will be quicker anyway, just because everything's packed more tightly together. So if you're looking to spend five, uh, to, to buy, say, a 500 gig or bigger drive, then you may want to look at a slightly cheaper 5400 RPM drive rather than going to all the way to 7200, because you will see massive performance improvements there as well. You can actually get a 500 gigabyte with a 16 megabytes cache for about 150 bucks, and that's a Seagate up at yeah, Max Sales. I'm, I'm seeing that and right that's, now. That's just, that's just insane. That's insane. That's a fast, huge drive. I mean, if that MacBook Pro, honestly, was my daily workstation... That's what I've, I would have gone with that in a heartbeat. 500 gigs would have been more than enough for what I need. Uh, and at 150 bucks, that's nothing. But, of course, yeah, if that I've was got... my daily machine, I would have Apple Care on it. Although, honestly, at this point, my Apple Care, no, it'd still be good for another year. Yeah, I've, I've got a uh, 320 in, in, mine, in mine currently, and I had that replaced because I think I had a 120 in it before. And it cost me, you know, with installation because it was, you know, still under... Apple Care, so I'd have a authorized Apple shop do it. It was like three hundred and fifty to four hundred dollars to to put in a three twenty, 
And now I'm looking at this one from Seagate for less than 150 bucks for 500 gigs, 7200 RPMs. You know what you're doing? This is a brand new machine. It's got a 160 gig drive in it. It's got 120 gig free, and yet you've got me jonesing for a bigger drive. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how that works, isn't it? I know everybody out there that's got a laptop's now thinking maybe I ought to update my drive in that, and it's not a lot of money. And Tim, where could they go? MacSales.com. So let's uh, talk about MyMac.com for a minute. As we're recording this video, we've got three new uh, features on the site after the last Mac, my Mac podcast. Number one's a video review that Jeff, J- uh, I'm sorry, Jeff, <laughs> Rich Lefko did of their verbatim portable hard drive. Uh, it's a good review. I, it doesn't, I, uh, I'm forgetting what he gave it. It wasn't a high score that I thought it was going to be. Yeah. He gave it a three and a half out of five. Um, it, it's, you know, Rich is really starting to get into these video reviews And I think it adds a whole new dimension to a review. It's not just a static read the text. You can actually see him interacting with whatever the object happens to be that he's reviewing. And I really like that. We've got a new reviewer. His name's Mike Breed. Uh, Mike first came to us as a listener of this podcast. Hi, Mike. I know you're listening right now. And his very first review up at MyMac.com is is for a program called AudioBoo. And this is interesting. This is very similar to my TweetMac that I use on Twitter. To record, you know, one to two minute little audio things that I post on Twitter. Very similar to that, except you can actually subscribe to it as a podcast with Audioboo. Now, I went and downloaded this app. I haven't used it yet, Mike, but I plan to. The audio quality that I heard on his review, because I posted the audio portion as well, sounded great. And I want to play with this application, and I want to figure out the RSS feed and where it's posting those audio clips, because that's something that we could actually look at all of us doing, guys, if you guys were into it as well. As a supplement to this podcast, we could have a separate little, whenever you get around to to doing a one- to two-minute little audio clip, and have a separate podcast in the iTunes directory for just that. Absolutely. And it wouldn't be anything that you have to do every week or even two weeks. Whenever you got around to it, you just record a little thing, push a button, and, and that's it. And, and, and just I let think, you know about it. Exactly, and I and I think as well when we when we actually go to uh, kind of trade shows like MacWorld and that sort of thing, it's going to be invaluable because we can effectively you know do interviews on the floor and have them posted straight away. Absolutely. I, I, <laughs> well, depending on on how good AT and T's coverage is during uh, MacWorld, which has <laughs> well, typically been well. Hopefully, we'll find a good Wi-Fi spot, especially in the press room. So we'll just run back in there and hit you know post. And the last review is um, earbuds from Mark Rudd, and these are a- AKGs. Now, I've got a very expensive pair of AKGs over-the-ear headphones right now that I'm in the midst of reviewing, and they're honestly, they're fantastic. So when I heard Mark was doing the uh, K309s and K311 earbud-style headphones from AKG, I was, I was looking forward to it. I was thinking, well, you know, AKG usually makes some really good stuff. Unfortunately for AKG, these really weren't it. Uh, Mark gives them a two and a half out of five, so that's actually a pretty uh, a poor rating for a pair of headphones. Yeah, would would they would it have been a better rating if if they hadn't been so expensive? Well, you'd have to ask Mark that. Mm, true. So go up to mymac.com. You can read those three reviews, and after this is posted, you'll see some new stuff. I've got another AKG headphone review coming from. John Nemirovsky. I personally haven't read it yet, so I don't know what the score is. But it's it's going to be like AKG month at MyMac.com, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a horrible thing to have Oh, happen. no. Not AKG. So, David, you posted some, uh, you sent some information to Guy and I about possible topics. And one of yours was ClickWheel iPods. Are they on borrowed time? Yeah, I, I, I mean, it was interesting from the from the Apple sales call um, the other day was that you know they did admit that the conventional iPod line is 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 in decline to an extent, um, and uh, you know sales of the iPhone and the iPod Touch uh, are kind of picking up the slack there. And, that, that's and natural evolution, though, don't you think? Well, yeah, it is. I, I think, you know, obviously they are two different class of devices. You've got one which is the traditional iPod that, you know, I mean, I've had a, I've had a 
pile of them, and I've, I've currently got a, a 4G Nano that I'm very pleased with, and I use an awful lot. But, you know, the point is you can't deny that the interface and uh, and the way you interact with those iPods does seem kind of clunky compared to the the natural way you can interface with a with a touch or, or an iPhone. Uh, and, and there is, you know, a very clear dividing line now between those two classes of devices. And, and clearly people are starting to gravitate more towards these, you know, the touchscreen devices. So the, the question in my mind is, is really, you know, how long are the click-wheel iPods going to be around for? Do we see... With the, uh, but I mean the the the, the Clickwheel iPods, the big the big seller is obviously the Nano. Do we see iPod uh, Apple continuing to develop the the Nano by, you know, adding more fairly incremental features to it, or are they eventually going to come come away and say, you know what, we need to transition this line as well to to the um, the touchscreen interface? And I, I think so. I I think that that's something that I could totally see the interface. Though so you can do the, you know landscape or portrait view and you just move it and you can slide to and it's just the the iphone ipod app just it's just that exactly and this is this is what i would imagine will happen is that i mean there's been a lot of debate about the iphone nano for a while um and analysts have been saying that they see you know, a space for a smaller iPhone with well, less features. On well, they said for that for $99, but the problem is Apple just simply made the last generation the $99, exactly. and that's exactly. what they're going to continue to do. And that never made sense to me, because the, the problem is if you make the iPhone smaller and still have it do similar things, still have a web browser, still have email and data access and that sort of thing, to me that doesn't make any sense, because you're actually making it smaller... Um, and that's just going to make it harder to use. And we know that Apple's not about that at all. Absolutely. But I can, I can very much see something you could call the iPod Touch Nano, which would be a, an iPod Touch but smaller, as you say, with just the iPod application on, uh, and just be focused on, um, you know, being able to play video very well. Obviously, it would be a, it would be a superb video player compared to the current Nano. Yep. Uh, and and a music player, and uh, you know, be be solid state based as the current machines are. And I could see that selling well, really. You know, quite quite you're taking Nano sales into a, onto a whole another level. What I don't see is is some of the stuff being touted around the moment when they're talking about putting a camera in the current nano case and no that doesn't make a lot of sense yeah that doesn't doesn't seem to make any sense to me so i uh, I totally agree but at which point do they not put a lot of stuff into an ipod nano touch to cannibalize sales of the ipod touch well or or is the ipod touch now that's the top of the line and then the one below that is the the ipod nano touch well, here's the interesting thing about the iPod Touch. I, I hear a lot of people, um, you know, and I know a lot of people who are very happy with the iPod Touch and say, I don't want, and I would never want an iPhone, don't want to be tied into a contract, um, and I don't want to use that sort of device for voice. But what I do want to do is use that sort of a device for email, for web browsing, and for that sort of thing. And so they're very happy with a, a Wi-Fi Touch. So I think I think the Touch will always have that, that niche, in you know, it's being not just an iPod, but something more, um, and and to be there for the people who don't want to to get into the whole cell phone contract and paying hundreds of hundreds of dollars over the life of the device to use it. Um, so I, I see the t- I don't actually see the touch being cannibalized too much by people who who would want a more functional music and video player, but don't necessarily want to get into something that can browse the web. So I, I think they could they could quite easily do a, a touch nano that didn't have Wi Fi in it and effectively was a standalone player, but just using that that you know that uh, software interface and probably would be able to run applications as well. I think there's definitely a market for it. I think a- Apple if anybody's going to cannibalize and we said this two years ago, Guy Searle, that yep. if anybody is going to cannibalize the iPod sales, it's going to be Apple. Yeah, um, I have to disagree on a couple of points here. I, I think that as far as click wheel iPods go, that, that they're not going anywhere for a while. I, I think that the hard drive uh, iPod is probably on its last legs and, and may or may not see a revision. I also think that the shuffle is going to go away. I, but I think that the... Uh, the iPod Nano is is really, as far as usability, as far as portability, is the best of the of the iPod line. I could see them taking that up to thirty two gigs, and it's basically you know 
not adding iPod Touch features, you know, keeping the click wheel, just keeping that around, and that would probably be the the last iPod standing. Maybe. I guess why, we'll why, find out soon. Yeah, I'm just just intrigued. You said about the shuffle. Why why do you see the shuffle going away? I don't see uh, that at all myself. The, I, I, just with, with without it having a screen, I, I think that it's 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 a niche. It's what's the word niche 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 it's product. Niche. It's, it, it, but it's a big niche, though. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it, yeah. It's but huge. I was going to say it, it. It is a niche product, but the thing is, you know what? It's an add-on product. Yep, it's, it absolutely it's, is. It, it's cheap to the point that anybody who has iPod says, "Well, you know what? I'll get a shuffle for, you know, when I'm in the garden or I'm in the gym and that sort of thing." I have one, and that's exactly how I use it. And I tell you, uh, for anybody who's not used the the current generation of shuffle, which has no controls on it at all, they're all on the uh, they're all on the uh, uh, r- the remote jack. cable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it it is an incredibly intuitive device to use, and it works really, really well. Let I mean, me tell much you. More let me let me tell you something else, guy. And you've seen this video up on my MySpace page, or uh, I'm sorry, Facebook page, uh, Facebook.com/slash/mymac. <laughs> Anybody wants to be friends, that's where I'm at. Um, I, this is the, this is the big present that we gave my daughter this year for her sixth birthday. Now we we gave her the last generation iPod Shuffle. Her favorite color is green, so we got her a green one. And she was ecstatic. Now, at six years old, guy, she loves listening to music, and I'm sure David's son is the same. But we yep. don't want to give them, uh, you know, a full-size iPod or an iPod Touch or anything like that. A simple little device that she can play her music on. More importantly, I get to decide what music is on there. And the with the iPod shuffles, you can actually limit how loud the headphones can go. Very important as a parent. To limit, I don't want my because I know my daughter Brooke will be blasting her ears off with this thing if I let her, but I limit it so it can't go too loud. I think the iPod Shuffle is a, a worthy device that I don't think Apple's going to get rid of anytime soon. So well, let's let's move on. Um, we got to get into the feedback and uh, wrap up the show. So I sent that to you, David. So I guess, guy, you're not going to read them because I didn't send you one. <laughs> But you can respond to them. They're all negative, right? Oh, yeah. So let's start with the oldest, David. So you got to go to the bottom of that list that I sent you. Yeah, just let me And, and I'll let you it. read one. I'll read one. We'll trade trade on yeah, and off. Yeah, okay. So this was, uh, this was January 19th. So this was... When was Macworld this year, was it? Um, yeah, it was, was that before, Just after Macworld? No, it was before Macworld. No, this was after Macworld, uh, yes. After, just after Macworld, yeah. So, um... This was Maxman69, gave us five stars, um, and he said, Pretty damn good Mac-based podcast has various formats, from rarely a single host to roundtable-type multi-participant. A cast of regulars that come and go, good guests and good interviews. Search their archive for, Jill, for Gil Emilio. You'll get a whole new understanding of Apple in the 90s and a peek behind the facade of Steve-liness. That's, I love that word. I know, that's great. <laughs> and, and I think, uh, just to break out from the comment for a minute, I mean... That was probably one of my favorite episodes because that was such a coup and and he was such an interesting guy and the the thing for me was you know this guy has been kind of he he was the he was the guy before the comeback uh, and you know he's had a pretty bad press over the years and and you you never hear from him and to hear him talk about it and talk about you know what he was trying to do and where he was trying to set the company really was 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 quite amazing for me. Um, so anyway, getting back to the comment, speaking of their archive, theirs is huge. These guys were among the first podcasters ever, and there's a ton of content here. They're approaching their 250th weekly edition, and here we are. I'm yep. a subscriber to most of the Mac-centric podcasts, and this is the only one that almost never fails to be entertaining and informative. Thanks, Tim, keeping up the great work. P.S. Buried deep in the archives is audio proof that Tim, the host, pretty much invented podcasting years before the iPod. It's true! And, and Tim, now we know the basis of your massive fortune. <laughs> I did invent podcasting before it was... That was so long ago that I came up with this idea that it's amazing that 
I'll never get credit for it. <laughs> well, you know what? Actually, you will, Tim, because that, that now forms a citation, so I'm going to update your Wikipedia entry. You know, I don't have a Wikipedia entry. You There's, do now. I do now. <laughs> there you go. I can't do it myself, so one of you guys will have to go up and, and make a Wikipedia for me. Anybody listening, go make a wiki on me. I invented podcasting um, <laughs> before. Um, just, just wait just wait for the Adam Curry lawsuit to descend on you. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and read the next one, too, because I'm actually in a text chat with somebody real quick here. Okay. So um, the next one is from, from C. Hines. This was this was posted a couple of days after uh, after um, Maxman69. Uh, worthwhile listening for any Apple enthusiast, he says. I've recently been culling through my list of podcast subscriptions because I simply don't have time to listen to everything I'd like to. Boy, I, I know what that's about. Yep. I'm normally about 12, 15 hours behind on my listening. Oh, I am way behind yeah. because I'm not get, driving the kids to school right now because it's summer vacation. And yeah. that's when I listen to my podcasts. They, they laugh at me at work because basically whenever I have a spare minute, I've got my headphones plugged <laughs> in so I'm catching up. My <laughs> Mac Magazine, uh, uh, Mr. Hines says... Is still my Mac Magazine podcast is still on my list of keepers. I learn more about what's happening with Apple products, software, and hardware from this show than any other Apple Mac related podcast. Even when there is no big news, they almost always have either an interesting interview or topic to discuss. I also like the fact that many of their interviewees stay on for most of the podcast, more like a panel guest than in an interview. It really allows me to get to know the people who are making the products that support my preferred platform. And we're going to go back to interviewing with companies as well. Uh, that's not going out the windows because we're doing the, the listener invite. We're still going to do some of that stuff. Yeah, and, but I think it was interesting what, what, he, what he said there, and, and thank you very much to, to both those um, uh, guys for, for the comment. I mean, we, we don't really see ourselves as a news show. We often talk about the news, but only to kind of springboard into, you know, our, our reaction to thoughts to it. But we don't see ourselves as a news site because we're just not, you know, we're not current enough. We're only doing it once a week. We we do we record towards the end of the week when uh, obviously that's towards the end of the weekly news cycle, and we don't really see ourselves as as trying to get the big coups. But what we want to do is is kind of talk about how things impact the community. Yep. Next one is called "Great Stuff" from Holy Cow Thirteen. That's a great screen name, by the way. Absolutely. Some might think four guys talking Mac stuff might be boring. Uh, it's, it's only three now. Uh, at the time that we uh, that Holy Cow wrote this was February. Sam was on the show. Sam Levin was on the show quite a bit. We'll still have Sam occasionally as well, but he's not really uh, doing the show with us as much anymore. Uh, no way. Tim, Guy, David, and Sam keep their listeners informed and entertained. I recently got behind. You hear that a lot, don't you? Yeah. Uh, on the recent <laughs> episodes, but on a road trip from Tulsa to St. Louis, I caught up. Now okay. I had yeah. Now I wish I had listened when it was live. I missed out on a couple great giveaways, spec covers for the new MacBook Pro. Here's a scoop on Tim. Several months ago, I decided to email him about a possible purchase of a new Mac I was considering. Never thought I would hear back from him. Bang, bang, bang. He replied within uh, within an in less than an hour. It was great advice and helped me decide to wait on making the purchase. I enjoy the banter these guys have, kind of like old school chums catching up. Having perspective from the UK is awesome. Love the accent, by the way. I think that's to you, David. <laughs> <laughs> Just a guess. Uh, yeah. Their featured apps and hardware picks each week makes me want to find something to enhance my Mac or iPhone use. When I heard about the Big Word app, I checked it out and bought it. My brother-in-law saw a T-shirt, um, brought it too. Great, simple idea. Good work, Tim, coming up with the idea. It's Big Words. It's an app that I, we'll talk about that some other time. Um there might be some big news coming out on that soon. So, <clears throat> anyways, I really enjoyed the recent segment on Twitter and the guy who was there at the beginning. I never got into programming, but remember my first Apple IIc and how it got me through grad school. My Mac Magazine podcast is great value. Keep up the good work, guys. And thank you very much, Holly Cow. Next one is from Yubu Korbu. <laughs> That's a name. And it says, yep. uh, these guys clearly love Max, but they tell the truth, both good and bad. I think that's important, David, that we do, that we love our Max, but we, we don't pull punches on this show. Well, you know, we're not we're not really about, I mean, the kind of people we are, we're not really about, um, you know, um, telling things that satisfy a PR company or, or saying things because, you know, we think that's what people want to hear. 
we we really I think the way we write and the way we present the site and the way we'd like to do this is to try and keep it as real as we can and if uh, if people don't agree with us then that's fine everyone's got a different viewpoint but uh, you know people you can spend an awful lot of money buying stuff you know every time you go down to an apple store or buying stuff from online from max sales or somewhere else you can spend an awful lot of money and it's very disappointing if you spend money on things because you've you've read good reviews and you find that that actually the reviewer had only used it for five minutes so we we just like to tell it like how it is uh second to the last one from dr the love doctor <laughs> now, I said it the From way it was spelled. The Department of Redundancy Department. There you go. <laughs> there are several great informative pa- podcasts out there for Mac users, but what I love about this one is that the group really likes interacting with their audience. Now, this was from June 30th. You're encouraged to participate, and it makes it feel like a real community. And that's more or less referring to our new listener invite. And like I said, we've got one coming up next week, Matt Larson. And uh, I'm looking forward to that chat. If you want to participate in the podcast, feedback at mymac.com. We'll have you on. Have a good time. What's the last one, David? It's a long one. Yeah, this is these these guys are the real OGs. I think he means old guys of the Mac community. This is the show that you want to listen to. Um, his username is a string of binary numbers, so I'm not going to read those out. <laughs> it probably means uh, something, I, but and 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 I, I I I hasten to add it could be it could be a lady. Probably isn't, but it could be. <laughs> She's, uh, he or she says, MyMac.com is a great website and has been around basically since the World Wide Web came about. The it's, podcast that's is, true. <laughs> the podcast is great and one of the best shows out there. The show's been going for years, I think about five or so. It's definitely one of the long, long, longest-running shows to date and still at the top of my list. The show is about everything Apple and also more broadly just technology in general with an emphasis on the Apple side of things. If you like MyMac.com, you will like the show as, an, as it is an extension of MyMac. Tim is a great guy with a lot of time and experience in the technology world. Tim is the person who started MyMac and continues to run the site to this day. Another great addition to the site that happened a while ago but has now made the show that much better is David. Last but not least is Guy, a great personality for the show. The trio make up an excellent team and bring a show, a great show each week. If it's from sure. Mac world or or just educated opinions on various technologies, then you want to start listening to MyMac. MyMac is a well-established site and show and show that you know is going to be there every week and bring a great show each time. Not to mention a show that is not going to bring you an hour show with three 15-minute commercials <laughs> thrown in there too, like some podcast networks do. Yeah. You know what, it's funny, oh, funny say he says that. There. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to name any names, but I went to listen to a uh, podcast that I haven't listened to for about three years, um, and this show was always long, and it was always fairly commercial-heavy. But I, I listened to it, and literally for the first 25 minutes, I actually counted, there was nothing, there was no content at all, except promotions and adverts. Why don't you want to <laughs> name it? <laughs> because, you know, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, well, okay, I can, I can, I, I will name it then. It was um, Your Mac Life. And, uh, you know, a show I always used to enjoy. But Sean I, King? Sean King, yeah. Yep. After 25, I understand the guy's got to make a buck, and I understand, uh, you know, that he's got to, pimp his sponsors but there was no content for the first 20 minutes of the show wow that's horrible and and, and you, you know, know sean I, I is a good off. guy he's actually a friend yeah. of mine um he's he's a, an occasional smoking buddy at the mac world expo with me yeah and i've been on your mac life a number of times not recently i don't think i've been on it since i started the podcast to be honest because he probably looks at us as competition at this point even though i don't think we are i think there's more than enough room in the Mac community for a number of podcasts, and I like listening to them myself. Yeah. Um, that uh, being said, though, twenty minutes in and it's just nothing but ads. Well, that's yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure his audience, who are used to listen to it every week, kind of deal with that, and uh, you know, don't have a problem with it. For me, but for me, coming back to it after a while, um, glaring, you know, huh? it, it, it kind of stuck out to me, and it wasn't enough to kind of keep me. I, I thought, well, you know, I, I, I didn't know when it was going to end, and I thought, I'm not going to skip ahead here. I'm just not interested in sticking with this for the moment. Well, so uh, maybe you should send yeah. an email to him. I mean, yeah, you know, like, yeah, like you said, he, he needs I, to make a buck, sure, but he, he does. I, he's got a lot on his plate at the moment. So, but you, you can't <laughs> you can't sacrifice quality. And when you start doing that, and I'm not telling Sean how to run his show. I mean, he's much better at this than I am, without question. He when it comes to audio content sean is the man and i'm a peon no question even though i've been doing this for five years he is much better than i am but that being said 
if you start losing your listeners because of ad, 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 you might want to start taking a look at your business plan is all I'm saying. Yeah. Because I, I quite honestly, I haven't listened to his show in a long time either. And with you saying that, I kind of want to go up there and listen to it myself now just to see what's going on. And, uh, that's, that's kind of a bummer. I mean, obviously he's making some scratch because of the ads, but I, I think, I, I think part of it is, is, you know, he's got some issues in terms of, of he has, he's not running with a co-host at the moment. And, uh, that's not you know, easy. I th- and, and I don't think his focus is, is quite necessarily on it. You know, he's got some personal stuff going on that is causing him some issues in the minute as well. But nevertheless, you know, that was just my impression. And it was kind of, a, you know, it was a bit of a downer to, to come away from it with just that impression, really. Well, we're going to end the show there on a downer. We do want to encourage everyone <laughs> listening. <laughs> Sorry. We do want to encourage now everybody. Now I feel bad. No, one, no I, don't feel I bad. And I have cancer. We're, we're, yeah, and I have cancer. <laughs> Um, we do want to uh, wrap up the show because we like to keep them under an hour if possible nowadays. We do want to remind everyone that we do do another we do do. We do produce another show every two weeks called Geekiest Show Ever. Go to geekiestshowever.com and just follow the iTunes link and you can subscribe to that show. The most current one we did was last week and we did Harry Potter. We talked about the new movie and a little bit about the books and the previous movies and stuff like that. Really fun podcast. I hope you guys listen to it. We've already got some feedback on that. And uh, so you got to listen to the next podcast on the Geekiest Show Ever. I have no idea what we're going to talk about. but And you'll hear the feedback that we got from someone who identifies themselves as a Christian and, and, a, a, pastor. Harry, and a pastor and a Harry Potter fan. Because we kind of got into that discussion a little bit on the show. And I love feedback like that. Yeah. Um, so that we encourage you to go subscribe to that show. We really hope that you go up to iTunes and write a review for us, and you'll probably hear it right here on this show. So even if it's a negative one, that's great, because that's how we learn. If we're doing something that you don't like, let us know, and we can change. Uh, we're, we're pretty open. We're, we're keeping Guy and David, though, so don't ask for that. That's right. <laughs> well, maybe not Guy, but, you know. Yeah. Well. <laughs> and if you want to participate in the show... And be a, uh, a kind of a co-host. It's a listener invite. Send an email to feedback at mymac.com. We really want to open this show up and have fun and talk to interesting people. And speaking of which, next week, Matt Larson will be on the show. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. So thanks for listening to the 250th weekly podcast from mymac.com. We'll see you in a week. Thanks for downloading and listening to the mymac.com podcast. 